grab your pre-workout and turn up that volume. It is time for a new episode of the Powerlifters Den with your host, Cam Smith. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Powerlifters Den. I'm your host, Cam Smith, and this week we have on uh, one of the highest totals of Multiply, someone who's been in the sport for a long time and uh, someone who's had a journey back to the platform for their upcoming meet in December. Bob, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, uh, thanks uh, for having me, Cam. Uh, Bob Merrick, been around the sport for uh, quite a while, but uh, also in quite a lot of different capacities. Like, that's one thing that's a little bit unique. I've been started single ply, bounced around wall, raw, went, uh, went over to multiply, back to raw, and then eventually unlimited. Now, basically, uh, at my advancing age, I'm going to stick to multiply and, uh, and the occasional unlimited. But uh, that's where I'm at. I uh, represent Atlantic City Barbell. It's a gym that I started with some friends here in New Jersey because there's not really a whole lot of powerlifting down in South Jersey where I'm at. So uh, there were no mono lifts, so we built it. We've had anywhere from like 15 guys training the gyms at my house, so in my basement, to uh, to right now. We only have like five or six, but I got five or six dedicated guys. So uh, that's how we do things down here. And I'm excited to talk to you and uh, talk about, yeah, the journey back to the platform has been an interesting one. This is a first for me, though. I haven't. I've been around a long time, but this is the first, like, long hiatus from competing. Yeah, so I guess we can start off by talking a little bit more about your gym. Um, so is it just uh, – I know it's in your home, but is it something that you chose to have in your home for just cost-effective reasons, or um, is it like an official LLC? Or what? Tell me more about it. No, yeah, so it basically started as, uh, you know, I trained. They have, like, when I got out of college, you know, you want to stay strong. I played football in college. I was just lifting. I knew about powerlifting a little bit. And so I started powerlifting just out of a commercial gym, but it was kind of, like, impossible to really train like that. Plus, you know, I have kids. They were young at the time. Um, and I had this basement. And my wife basically suggested that I just buy some equipment, make an investment, and have it here so that sometimes I could lift here. So it started out as just like me and a couple of like the other dads from like football practice and stuff like that working out. I had a squat rack, a bench and a lap pull down machine in one like little tiny corner of my basement. And, uh, and then as time goes on, like more people came over, I got some more equipment and uh, it was around 2000, I guess 14 when I did my first Arnold, when I was starting to like put up some real numbers, I'd been competing at that time for like over five years. And uh, I got together with some other local people and this guy had a, monolith in his basement so it was the first time i had access to a monolith which was nice because even though i was still raw at the time you know i'm doing the arnold it's an xpc meet so i'm going to squat out of a monolith so then we used to train half the time in my house half the time at his place and then that just sort of slowly evolved into me collecting more and more equipment turning the entire basement into now there's like you know it, it looks bigger than it really is when you watch videos but like there's a squat room with you know belt squat deadlift platform a bench room with two competition benches you know i got pretty much everything but, uh, and yeah, it's just a bunch of buddies and don't charge anything. We hang out and basically pay our dues by showing up for each other's meets. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I So I kind of started out in a local Y. I, I actually just got a membership at Mass Iron this year. Um, but like, it's just a level of equipment and stuff like that that I needed to switch over to. I mean, I don't trust anyone in the Y to spot me on a 600-pound squat. So like, exactly. <laughs> like the commercial gym is like a, a whole different breed of just – fuck no <laughs> i think there's something about like having to like be dedicated enough to go somewhere to train is going to make you better like it's easy to like blow off training or like blow off your accessories when you're just at the gym down the street but when you take a drive and you're committed to go train with a group of people and stuff like that like you drive an hour to do something you're going to tend to do more and you just learn more so it's definitely like a very powerlifting thing to get yourself together in like a 
bigger spot, the better equipment. Yeah, that's kind of kind of the mindset behind. Like, I drive up to Worcester. For me, that's like an hour. I drive up there every Sunday now, just because. I mean, we do squat. It's like a Sunday service we call it type of thing. And um, yeah. it's not only it's just the environment too, but just like kind of you get pushed before, like beyond limits of you just going by yourself. And obviously, the safety factor is a huge part with squatting. Like, you can't you can't be fucking around, especially with with some of the weights you guys are lifting. It's yeah. And um, so I guess starting into your powerlifting journey kind of what what got you into it maybe if you had a mentor or if it's just something that you transitioned to from sports or yeah so like kind of both i uh, i was real lucky and this is going to be like very reminiscent of i watched the episode you did with delafave and i was laughing because we had a very similar beginning you know i always played football and i was very lucky that my strength coach was like a at the time like highly ranked like number one two in the world like raw bench press guy now he's just a bench only guy but this guy's back in like the late eighties, early nineties, benching five plus raw. We're in like the you know the HD blast shirt, which is essentially like, in my opinion, harder than raw. So this guy's pressing numbers at the time that were like really considered to be like great. And he's a two twenty one ninety eighter, and he was just like in the weight room because his son went to my school. So I just naturally always loved lifting, wanted to be like a big guy, and so sort of gravitated towards him. Him and I became friends. Matter of fact, you know, I ate dinner at his house every Thursday of my life for you know, like two decades. And then eventually when COVID hit, we switched to Sunday mornings. So now we do breakfast every Sunday morning. So he was like a big mentor. Um, and obviously, you know, you always lift for sports, but I think I was always doing sports for the lifting, like the other way around. Yeah. Like I was always more excited for time in the gym than, you know, time on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, it was kind of like a, originally like you lift to get strong. So you get better at sports. And then I feel like most college athletes, especially like, I feel like, the people who enjoy being in the weight room more than their practice are usually the better athletes, which is kind of, seems kind of backwards, but I mean, obviously there's a translation to it. And, um, for me, when I was towards my, my first competition was a push pull in like 2020. So that was what my going into my junior years, something like, yeah, I'm old now too. I feel like, <laughs> but, um, every time I would be, tell my coach, I'm like, Hey, I got a powerlifting competition coming up in the off season. He's like, if you get fucking hurt, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, just what I like to do now. And he's like, can you just wait till you're done with the sport and then I'll cheer you on? <laughs> yeah. So you said your first meet was in like 2008. I think, um, yeah, 2008. Check this out. It was a USAPL meet. So oh. USAPL <laughs> single ply. So that's a little bit a little bit different than the road I've taken with most of my time. But, but it was cool. At least I can say I did one. It was, uh, it was a cool experience. But. I wasn't a huge fan and uh, moved myself on. Then I did like for the next few years, I was at like the WNPF. And that's just because like they have that around New Jersey. Because you know, when you're first getting into it, you're looking for meets like, where can I go close to me? So I did a bunch of like WNPF meets because they were at my gym or like 40 minutes down the road, you know. And then you come to find as you, you know, progress through the sport, you're flying to meets, traveling, getting hotel rooms, which I love. But uh, yeah, so I did that for a few years, took a little hiatus. Um, as my kids were young and then bounced back and from 2013 all the way up into my injury in uh, I guess what was that 2022 the very end of 2022 uh, I was competing like four to sometimes seven eight times a year so I have like I'm one of those like only Henry Thomason if you look on his open powerlifting has like a more ridiculous span of uh, competitions than me I was always jumping into meets it's kind of what I got known for and yeah, lots of totals. <laughs> yeah. So with that many meets and that many years of experience, I guess um, 
Do you have any particular meets that were your favorite? I mean, I know you've competed at the WPO, and that's a pretty big stage, especially for multiply. I mean, obviously. But um, if you had to, like, pick a couple meets that were your favorite, maybe some of your favorite moments, what would you say? Oh, man, I think – I always tell people my favorite meet was the 2019 WPO. It was just a cool experience. That, like, right outside of Chicago, it was – you know, had the whole ESPN3 hype, which, you know, I didn't really care so much about ESPN3, but I care about, like, the quality of – videos i'm getting they're filming this thing from 10 different directions my students it was on a monday so my students were all watching me at school the whole school shut down so like i thought that was kind of cool so and you know you got 15 lifters so everyone there is a killer and uh and what a lot of people think is like at a meet like that it's competitive but like we're all friends like multiply especially the community yeah. is so tight so like you're hanging out with your friends in you know you, you flew there you got a couple days you get there early you got a couple days to hang out with your buddies and like talk and bs and then you get to lift on espn which you know all kids when you're growing up as an athlete think man that could be cool to do someday so that but my favorite like overall meet experience was the 2018 wpo just because it was wild i mean if you look at that roster everyone who's ever been anyone was there it was a massive meet that went from like 10 a.m to like 11 p.m but everybody, the roster was stacked. I mean, like, heroes from the old days. Shane Hammock was there. You know, Paul Childress was there. Vogelpool's walking around watching everyone. It was just an awesome kind of uh, kind of time. But basically, any meet where there's cool people, which is most meets, is going to be a fun time. I've never never done a meet where I walked away. I'm like, man, that was a bad one. Yeah. I always have a good time. I think that's what I love about the sport. And it is, I do see in Multiply just how tight-knit that, because it's so niche, like, it It'd be stupid not to be like when I went down to the strength of the heroes meet, there was the amateur day and the pro day and the pro day was all multiply. And I mean, you had, it was like 15 or something guys and every single person was all friends. And even though they're from multiple different States, it's like, it's just such a tight knit group. And it was, it was really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, like we'll like, we even share like a lot of the bigger meets cause you don't have to travel. Like we'll even share handlers, like boys down in Florida, like Danny uh, from perfect storm and Alan on all those guys from CTX. Like, I still fly down there a bunch of times. I've probably trained with them 20, 30 times over the last like seven, eight years. I'll fly down, train with them. They've been up here to Jersey. So uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like a fun, like lifting vacation when you got people all around the country. Yeah. Um, that's something that like, I'm looking forward to getting into. I mean, like I said, I've only been doing this for like three years and um, I'm starting to, starting to climb the ranks a little bit and starting to get ready for trying to start to get invited to some meets. Eventually I want to look into the ghost clash and the pro-am, but Yes. could be a few years down the line but um i guess with your upcoming meet obviously you've had some injuries along the way um let's let's dive into that kind of what happened and uh what's the journey been like so december of last year i had a, I had a good it's funny i had a really good 2022 year i had like my biggest multiply and my biggest unlimited total came kind of back to back with like a 27 20 multiply um a 2905 unlimited so i had like a great year I had, I did the baddest bencher out in Texas that year, which was just cool. Cause I'm not normally a bench only guy, but tiny invited me. And I'm like, you know what, how could I say no to going out and lifting with like these everyone's bench and a thousand kind of guys. Yeah. So it was ironically enough when I decided I was going to take some downtime and like train raw, like push some volume and try and get myself like all healed up and rested up. Like that was the goal. And uh, so I'm doing some raw training. I'm doing like, close stance olympic squats to try and like hold up some quad strength or so i thought turns out i was a little late to the matter because on one of those reps i blow my quad off completely like you see it blow off in the video 
and that was a vasculus intermedius portion of the quad tendon and it snapped in the middle which according to my surgeon who and i was lucky i got a great surgeon he like works is it ortho for the phillies and the eagles he did carson wentz's knee like the dude was competent but he's like i have never in all my life seen this so then he looks at the literature he's like i don't think this has ever been done i'm like what does that mean he's like it means i'm making up the surgery so then i hear that i'm like oh god like what like making up the surgery i feel like i'm gonna be done or whatever he's like no you'll be fine um so then i have to go through that he actually just wrote a medical journal on it so he is pumped because he gets to like that's his surgery so yeah you'll have to send me that article good for him i guess but uh so then i spent like the next you know you ask how long it's going to take to recover and typically quad is a pretty bad one i was laid up for a while but my goal was to do a meet within a year so I, I got invited to that hellbent meet. I signed up right away and I'm like, I'll find a way to do something. Yeah. So then like just in time, squats started coming back, you know, I'm handling, you know, over a G again, fairly uh, routinely enough, even though there's still some lag on the sizing's a little bit off the one legs a little like behind, but like I'm able to push through. So as I'm getting close to this meet, I'm feeling pretty good. And then about like in the last month I suffered a, I tore my bicep, Yep. Yeah, tore my bicep squatting. Yeah like locking in, you know, I'm coming up and I just see it pop. So then the biceps torn, but it's a long head. So it's like non-surgical. So I'm like, all right, well, good news. <laughs> I can, I can survive a torn bicep three days later. You know, I'm deadlifting. And then the freak injury, like as I lock out my deadlift, I tear off my uh, posterior delt, like the delt muscle explodes, which again, I go back to the same surgeon. He's like, what is wrong with you? Like you can't <laughs> do a normal injury. Like this is, he described as the equivalent of like tearing a hamstring. Like you can't really do much for it. Yeah. It'd be like some hamburger together. So I've been like hitting the PT real hard and this, that, and the other. And, you know, I told Skiba who's hosting the meet, I'm like, I'm going to find a way to do something. Yep. Um, and uh, as of right now, you know, today was my last like lifting day. I was able to deadlift 605, which isn't anything to like write home about, but considering two weeks ago, I couldn't deadlift 135 from the pins. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that we're, we're making some progress. Little lidocaine action never hurt anybody, and uh, we're good. So we'll see. Next week it'll be uh, up there at Hellbent and see what I can do. Yeah. So I guess um, if you're, are you planning to take like, I guess not necessarily a token, more just like a what you can type of handle. Like you're not going to push the limits, but you're not going to yeah. just go out and hit the bar. Like the whole part of this meet, like I was never trying to go out there and like hit PRs because like I'm not going to squat 1200. You know, I need to, to, to PR, I think my best squat's 1165 in this weight class. I don't think that's there. And I don't think, I think it'd be stupid to push for that. So my goal was to just hit something, maybe, maybe open up like a thousand. And then if that goes well, maybe take a small jump and grab something a little bit more just to say that I've done it twice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was actually going to swing pretty hard at bench. That was the original plan. But obviously like that has been altered. Uh, I'll probably take like a comparable opener, but I just don't think I'll push anything. So yeah, I'll just take what the day gives me. And as far as deadlift goes, I was honestly until tonight, because I haven't deadlifted since I heard it, I was planning to just take a token. That's what I told Skeeve. I'm like, I'll just double overhand something. I'll, you know, start drinking whiskey with you and we'll have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but after tonight, I, I still don't think I'm gonna try anything crazy, but I'll I'll pull for a total. Yeah. My best one, but it's a adversity PR. We'll we'll take it. I know it's, it's kind of funny perspective wise too. like someone at your level. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not going to be no PRs or anything, but you're still putting up a bigger total than some people are dreaming of. So it's kind of, yeah, I think, I think I worked it out. I got a pretty, I got a pretty good chance of going over 24 and a, and an outside chance of 25. Yeah. <laughs> so I know this meet's going to be awesome. There's a lot of heavy hitters there. I mean, there's probably going to be 
what about five squats over 1100 which is just insane it's awesome yeah. yeah um so more into the the multiply uh when was your first multiply meet so in 2015 towards the end of it i tore my uh super spinatus tore my rotator cuff and uh it wasn't a terrible injury but it was enough where i couldn't really bench raw for a while and remember i told you i was trading with those others other guys so they were all equipped guys like when I found that other gym, I was going back and forth. And then one day someone's like, well, you should throw on a bench shirt. Maybe that'll help. And I'm like, like anyone else, the first time I'm at a bench shirt, like it feels stupid. It feels <laughs> awkward, but then I'm frustrated. So turns out like a little bit of work there, I was able to learn how to bench a little bit. But I really fell in love the first time they put me in briefs. You know, they put me in a pair of squat briefs and all of a sudden I'm instantly, because the way I squat, like I think I instantly squatted like 900 in briefs. Oh, shit. <laughs> My first time ever in briefs. And just like a two-ply pair of Predators. And they were shocked. And it was like, I'm like, oh, yeah, is that good? I don't, I don't even know. I didn't know anything. And uh, so then obviously me being me and loving meats, I signed up for a meet like two weeks later. <laughs> Bombs, terribly. Got a squat in. I think I squatted like 920 or something like that. But no one ever told me, which multiply guys all know, like a multiply meet is different. Oh, yeah. Just because you can bench on bench night doesn't mean you can bench after you just squatted, you know, in a multiply suit. And I go oath for three. Uh, so 2016 was my first meet, but uh, 2017, I was able to get out and do a meet, total 2380, and then I did the Arnold that year and total 25 for the first time. So that was like 2017 is when I started getting pretty okay. Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny that you say that too, because like um, I'll see like someone posting some videos and or like of like some of their lifts in the gear, and then I'll message John and be like, hey, do you think he'll hit this, this, and this at the meet? And he's like maybe if he has a perfect day i'm like why yeah. he, he can if he can hit this in the gym you should be able to hit this and he's like no it's it's just so different to be able to put that all together on the same day yeah if i could ever find out how to get my hands <laughs> like i can never like i've pulled over eight a few times but i could never deadlift at the end of the meet because i cannot figure out how to get my hands to not be like in terrible pain and swollen and fat so anyone has any trips uh tickets or tips reach out to me because that's the one thing that's always held back the total is i can never hold on to shit yeah at the end of the multiply meet i'm exhausted yeah and i guess um some so with the the biggest bencher meet and um things like that i'm assuming you've you've hopped into the band shirt um yeah what's what's been your experience with the band shirt and i guess overall what's kind of your opinion on it because it's obviously pretty uh polarizing in the sport yeah, it's controversial i mean and it's funny because I've obviously used them. I've enjoyed them. I've made money winning meets in them and it's been kind of cool. Yeah. But very similar, like Skiba, you know, Skiba hosting the meet, like he's got, we probably have a similar opinion. Like I'm fine with it. I don't think it should be the same. Like I hate to see records falling to it. And I know that sounds like counterintuitive to people who've been around multiply for a while because everything's evolved. Yeah. You know, you had HD blast and you had your denims and you had your polys. Then you had like the ridiculous polys. And now you have these band shirts but it's like a different thing in that it doesn't necessarily take the same skill set. Yeah. Like the first time I put on a band shirt, like the very first time, and this was back before F8 was even a thing. This is back when I think Bench Daddy yep. was the only one. The first time I put one on, I benched 925. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At that time, I think my best bench was probably either just over or just under 800 pounds in a poly. And I smoked the 925. Yeah. The 800, you know, so like it, it's technically less skillful 
Um, so, but I don't hate them as long as they're separate. Like I would never like I've used them even in full power because I'm never going to bring a knife to a gunfight. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be in a full unlimited meet and you want to put a cash prize out there. My my pride is not going to hold me like oh, I'm for integrity. Yeah. I'm going to my SDP. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll just do another meet. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I do think the wind is blowing it that way. I think a lot of people are really getting into it. I love the sense like that it makes equipped lifting more. I guess easier to learn it makes it more uh, approachable yeah for for people because like the first time you're in a bench shirt like it really takes skill to touch in a poly and unfortunately people are lazy so they get in a shirt struggle a couple times like ah i don't want this (laughs) um and they do keep old guys around like i know a bunch of guys my buddy chad hammond's getting into one he's gonna go out and do a meet and like so i think they have their place i just hate to see like the the beautiful skill of touching in a poly shirt i would hate to see that go away yeah, and for my experience with it, I mean, we did a bench day up at uh, Valley View and Gardner, and I mean, I threw on like a loose metal shirt because I'm I'm gonna get into it eventually. Like I'm I'm still planning to stay raw for a few years, but I know eventually being around John is just it's just my destiny. And um, that was my path. I loved it, <laughs> and I would I'll tell you right now, like I think that made it easier for me. For sure, Delico touched on that too a little bit in his podcast. Like you need to be strong. Yeah. Like we all train raw. Like the most, that's that's a common misconception. Like I love raw lifting. I did it. I've had like good raw numbers. I have squatted over eight in three different weight classes. You know, I've had put up some big totals raw. I still love that. It's just I think this is more fun because of the technique aspect. But I would not be the multiply lifter I was if I didn't like stay raw for a long time. For sure. And for for me with like fucking around in the shirt, like my my best competition bench right now is three sixty, and I think. In the metal shirt, I couldn't even get to touch until like 365, and I hit, yeah. I like smoked 415, but then I made a jump to like 450, and it all of a sudden it's just 450 on my triceps. I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't really like you. You have to you realize how much of a skill it is, and then I throw on a band shirt and I throw 500 so fast I can barely hold on to it, and I yes. you can touch with that with like 220. So, I mean, there's a, there's two reasons for that though. I I honestly think the people that have the most raw strength have the most success in band shirts. So, like, my old training partner, Matt Magnavita, he since left powerlifting or whatever. We're still buddies, though. Like, he was great in a poly shirt because he had, like, he had a lot of good technique. He had perfect leverages. But you put that dude in a band shirt, and he was terrible because he just was never really that strong raw. I mean, he was strong, but comparatively strong to me, he was, like, off the mark. So he was actually better in a poly than he was in a band shirt. Now, if you're a raw lifter, you get most of your power from the press. Yeah. And think about, like... Equipped lifters, they get most of their lockout is where they need to be strong. But when you're raw, you got that band shirt where it wants to help you the most is where all of your power is from like the holding the weight and press. Yeah. Raw lifters, I honestly think, transition better to those band shirts than anyone else. Like it'd be scary to see what some of the big like raw benchers would do. Yeah, like throw Julius Maddox in a band shirt. Yeah, a band shirt. <laughs> Julius Maddox in a band shirt, like a three or four ply band shirt. If he wanted to, like it'd be scary. Like cold level scary. Yeah. Because you don't really have to change much. You just have to, like, have the balls to be under it. Mm-hmm. But you also have to have the bones to hang on. Because I've seen enough, like, whew, compound fractures in these shirts to uh, to make me realize they are not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And it is it is funny, too. Because, I mean, people outside the sport, they're like, oh, equipped is cheating. It's blah, blah, blah. And then you act, you just be like, hey, throw on a shirt. Try to touch this weight and press it. And yeah. they might not even be able to do that with their max. It's like, no, it's a whole different skill. And, like... It, like I said, even I used to think that too until I actually put on one. So 
I always tell people the same thing, and I've had I've, people have taken me up on it before, and it never goes well for them. I said, listen, if you think equiplifting's cheating, I will gladly at any time we'll do a competition where we'll do two meets. I'll do one raw, you'll do one equipped, and then I'll do one equipped, and you'll do one raw. We'll do we'll do both, and then we'll add it together. Yeah, because the difference is like equipped lifters for the most part are still pretty damn strong raw, and they know how to use their equipment. It would take you years to learn how to get on an equipped lifters level with the equipment. So. Yeah, I mean, I get, I get why some of the hate, because you're right. You're not lifting it. Yeah. But a pole, a pole vaulter isn't jumping over the bar by himself either, and I don't hate pole vault, so. Yeah, yeah. I, someone actually just said that. I think, so I talked to Swede the other day. I think he, he kind of said the same thing. He's like, well, pole vaulting and high jumping, it's it's just different. It's it's the same yeah. thing, but you're and using a pole. Different means of accomplishing it. It's yeah. like, great. Yeah, like you're not expecting a, a a high jumper to jump 17 feet like it's <laughs> so why would you expect a raw person to be putting up the same as equipped and it's not like you're competing against the people that it's not like oh i'm going to a meet at 242 but this guy's equipped so he's gonna beat me yeah that was like the early days though back in the back in the day like when equipment was first getting good you'd you'd go there and you'd be strong but you'd be in an hd blast shirt and it was the year that like denim came out and you'd lose to someone benching 600 and you're like what <laughs> i hear all those stories from coach back when it first started that was probably the beginning of the band shirt days too like what the hell yeah yeah so uh, more into your your recovery back what have been some of um maybe some of the tools or some of the struggles that you've gone through throughout the year uh struggles are mostly mentally being unable to be on the platform and like unable to train with my guys uh i'm big on like that whole west side mentality of like we compete against each other in the gym yeah and i was usually winning <laughs> when i had to get my ass kicked for like you know six straight months in every possible lift and accessory. So it was humbling. Um, some of the things I did to recover, this one's going to blow your mind. I joined Planet Fitness. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm set up for a powerlifting gym. I'm set up to get like strong and do like these simple movements. But like when you've got a torn quad and your leg is shrinking away, there's not a whole lot you can do with, you know, bands and monoliths. So I had to go get on some like machines and do some isolated stuff. Uh, cool thing was i think i learned a lot like i put on some size i experimented and like let me see if i can get lean and be jacked for a minute yeah i did that it was cool i put the weight back on though like now that i want to i'm like all right i'm done that's my legs better time to be less jacked and more strong um so yeah i mean nothing crazy i went to physical therapy a lot i have a great physical therapist i have him to thank for the fact that uh my shoulder is healing as fast as it is between the dry needling and the cupping and the grasting and any other crazy stuff that he's making me do it seems like I'm healing at an exponential rate. So PT and Planet Fitness. Yep, that's awesome. Um, and I guess, too, with you've since you've competed so many times, I noticed that you've competed mostly at 275. But obviously, at the younger years, you're a little bit lighter. And But um, I guess kind of, is that something that you decided that you wanted to stay at that weight? Is that the weight you felt best at? Or? Yeah, I kind of regret I kind of regret that, honestly. And, like, good good time to talk about on the podcast like one of the things i think probably held me back was i had it in my head now you got to remember the time period so it's like 2013 14 15 you got like the dan green era yeah and like raw and raw with raps is like exploding and like when you think about the lifters that were like killing it there was a lot of like 220s and 242s like kevin oak was starting his thing so i'm like all right well these are the cool guys that i want to try and compete against yeah so that's what I did. I kept myself. Now I'm over six foot tall. Like I kept myself at 220. I'm killing myself to like stay in a weight class and do these massive weight cuts for meets. And I did that for probably, you know, 
13, 14, 15. So like four years worth of keeping myself at a 20 and a 42, just so I could compete in like those classes with those guys. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to say I regret it because you don't regret anything. Like it all leads you to where you are and that's kind of cool. But do I think it held me back strength wise? Like, yes, you want to get as big and freaking strong as you can, especially when you're in your twenties. Yeah. That's like, it was the time to grow. And here I am like cutting weight. And again, I compete a lot. So now I'm cutting weight and doing these massive cuts three, four times a year. In 2015, I did something, well, probably the most ridiculous thing I ever did. I went and did a meet out in Allentown and I cut to 242 from like 260. I was getting a little big. So I'm like, I'll make 242. Squat 805. And there was a meet the next weekend. And I remember thinking like, I wonder if I could just keep cutting weight. Like, I wonder if I could hit 220 and try and squat 800 like two weekends in a row. So I did. <laughs> and then, then when I'm benching, I blow my shoulder off because my body was probably like, fuck you. Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? You're a psycho. Like, so I literally did two meets in a row and hit the squats I wanted, but but that tore off my super spinatus and my rotator cuff. But again, silver lining, that's when I put on the bench shirt. So, like, everything happens for a reason, I guess. Yeah, and for me, like, I've been competing at 242, but now I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, I should just put on size because I'm 6'2", and I'm 23, yes. like – I'm in the I, perfect time to just grow my body. So and you, you are who I'm talking to. Get big and freaking strong. Like you said, you want to do the ghost flash. You can always lean out later. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of like always, a, what I wish I would have done. Like I wish someone would have told me, like you can still go back. Just put on as much solid muscle as you can when your body wants to grow. Yeah, and I was kind of like, um, I'm just gonna keep eating until I and if. If I get past 260, then I'll say 275. But I think up to like around the 260 area is where I'm okay with cutting. Because I, yeah. I did wrestling in high school and college. So, like, that that's so easy for me. It's like second nature. I always thought the same thing. I think it's, I, you shouldn't cut if you don't have a reason to. But honestly, sometimes I like it. It was like kind of part of the fun. Yeah. Especially with Raw. Like, Raw, all you're doing is you're doing the movement. So it just adds another level of like, like challenge to it like we're all sadistic we're like let's get under heavyweights that can kill us <laughs> but like now let's do it without eating and having to like cut all this weight and then stuff ourselves back up to we where we were i i thought it was fun and if you're not having fun in powerlifting like you're not getting rich so if you're not having fun and enjoying it probably shouldn't be doing it yeah and it does kind of bring up the point too with like a lot of the like same day weigh-ins versus like the 24-hour weigh-ins and like usapl has the two-hour weigh-ins so like for me, the last meet I did, just because of timing-wise with travel, I did same-day weigh-in, and we went to, like, Applebee's at, like, 8.30 at night. And, I, of course, I'm like, I'm getting a steak. Like, I'm not, not eating. And I was, like, 2.45, and I'm like, shit, I better sleep off this weight. And I weighed in exactly at 2.42. I'm like, all right, I don't like gambling like that because John weighed in the day before, and he was obviously fine. And um, for me, it's, like, the, the one time I actually had to, like, cut some weight, I was, like, I was sitting around, like, 2.45, but I, it's been a couple years since I cut weight from, like, wrestling and stuff, so I kind of forgot how easy it was for me. So yeah. I was doing, like, the whole 10 minutes in the hot bath and getting out. And, yeah. and then I weighed in at 232. I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> what did I do? But I mean, I, <laughs> Yeah. So um, with the with the meet, what, yeah, next weekend. Um, next time, yeah. Yeah. Are you, do, are you doing any more PT or recovery in the meantime, or are you kind of just chilling? Yeah, I'm going to do, I have two scheduled for next week. That dry needling stuff I just started messing with for the first time is amazing. Like, it's like acupuncture and stim get together and have a party. Like, they put the needles in and just cook you for like eight minutes, but it feels great. So I have two more of those. Lifting's obviously dialed back. I took my last, I might take a moderate squat on Saturday just to get like one more, 
with the leg, I find that I don't want to let it rest too much. Yeah. So I'll probably like, I might even put on all of my gear and just go through the motions one time and work up to like a second to last warm up or something like that. But outside of that, it's mostly just like volume stuff, real light stuff, getting ready for the meet, lots of physical therapy and things like that to get myself, you know, in good shape. But I think I probably will squat this Saturday. There we go. Just I'm worried about like this thing, especially since I tour it. Like if I let it go too long, it, it's more harm than good. Yeah. I, f- I feel the same way. So some of those like nagging injuries, like, if you if you wait too long, then you're gonna be in pain. But if you keep going, yeah. you're gonna be in pain. Also, you gotta find the the balance of just like easing off the brakes or easing off the gas a little bit, but keeping the the fuel in the tank. So, um, with what was I gonna say? Oh, so with the meat, um, what are some of the some of the things you're expecting to see from some people? I mean, Skiba's got a bunch of those young kids squatting a thousand, so that's gonna be kind of cool to see. Um, Delafave's taking a little hiatus from the platform, so he'll be back. That's always fun to watch. Um, John's been killing shit, and I've known him forever since the earlier WPO days. And you know, he's starting to hit some some real big numbers. I think he could have a day if things go his way. Uh, he's probably one I'm watching the most right now because just I've been talking to him and all watching him on social media. So yeah, that'll be fun. But honestly, I'm just looking forward to being back out at it because. As a guy who competes four or five, you know, sometimes I think my most was like eight or nine times in a year to go essentially an entire year without stepping on a platform was like a challenge for me. Yeah. I was doing it almost every month. Like that's, you think about it. Yeah. Every other month I'm out there and now I haven't, and not like I, and it's not because I chose not to, that would have been one thing. Yeah. I wasn't out there because I was not able to be out there and that was frustrating. So just to be back in an environment where, you know, I'll take, like I said, I'll take what the day gives me. If if things don't go my way, I've bombed before. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, but honestly, I just want to get back out there. I'd love to survive the meet, especially overcome this adversity. Like, that's that's the biggest goal. And then I, I feel like once I get that, like, that's off my back. And then I can start training for something, maybe try and get big and strong again. Yeah, for but sure. I, I'll have to do this one to kind of ease myself back into it. And what a perfect way. It's like it's a smaller meet, yeah. but at the same time, it's a bigger meet, if that makes sense. Because it's like not a lot of people, but it's but people. Care, it's a lifter. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be fun, which will also make it easier because we'll all have the same warm up weights. It'll be like a fun environment. You know, a lot of times when you jump into a smaller meet, you have load the bar to. 1,005 from the last one that was like 550, and it makes the warm-up room a challenging place. So this will be nice that everyone's sort of like close to each other and level, that it will be uh, a good place to warm up. Yeah, and I'm, I'm wishing you the best. I'm hoping everything goes well. And um, John, John will be happy to hear that because he wanted me to tell you that you're his favorite lifter, so I just got to throw that in there. <laughs> good. I'm glad I mentioned that. <laughs> um, so I guess after this meet, uh, planning things go well, what's kind of the, the next step for you? Maybe what's the next meet you have in mind? Uh, there's supposed to be a meet in Texas that the Cowboys from hell people are putting on with the IB, IPA that, that could be a big one, but I want to see how this goes, how my body takes it <clears throat> because I'll start looking. Like I haven't looked cause I'm like kind of singularly focused on like, can I get through this? Uh, and I'm just able to start ramping that weight back up again. The question, I guess I really have to ask myself is I do want to want to do another multiply one or do I want to do an unlimited one? And they have like, I can't decide which goal I like more. Because my best multiply total is 2720. 2800 is pretty rare air. I mean, 27 is pretty rare, but 28 is, I'd have to look, but I think only like nine people, 10 people maybe have done it, traditional multiply. 
So I'm like, all right, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I know I know their names. Whereas the other one could be like my best 2905 is my best unlimited. I know Donnie Thompson's always asking for someone to join his 3000 pound club. And he messages me about that once in a while. And I do think that that's a strong possibility. When I went 29, I had a kind of a bad day. Like I only squatted 1125 and then I hurt my hip benching. I only pulled like 730. So both of my, you know, bookend the bench and the squat, both of those lifts are 50 pounds or more off of PRs. Yeah. It could be there. Uh, and then I'll be the one who gets all the internet hate for going over 3000 unlimited. Like that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, that'll make people mad. You'll get all the like, Oh, it was 3000, but it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't multiply. And so I almost invite that. That's kind of a fun, fun thing to maybe go through. So I don't know. It'll be one of those two though. They're the next things to chase. Awesome. 28 or 3000. Yeah. Those are, those are just some crazy numbers to put up either way. So um, I guess, a little bit more into your training as well, like prior to the injury, obviously with the injury, your training looked much different, but um, overall kind of what, what's some of the methods and like some of the, I don't know if you've had a coach or anything, or if you've kind of done it on your own, but. Yeah. I mean, I have been unique in my training. If you follow along for a while, my, the criticism was always like, I go too heavy too often and I'm going to hurt myself and, uh, or I'll be a flash in the pan type of lifter. And uh, I started hearing that back in like 2000, 14. Uh, and I guess they were right, but I think it took a little bit longer than they expected. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, I don't really have a set methodology. Uh, I am a, I love the max out effort or the max effort stuff. So I do a lot of that bands and chains, like a very, it's almost like a West side template for my max effort days. I didn't love dynamic. I've tried it. I've messed with it. I never really loved a dynamic day. So I kind of have like my secondary days are sort of like heavier raw days. So I have like a, a raw bench day. And then I have my equipped bench day or, and then I have the same thing with squats. Now I never deadlift raw just because I don't like it, <laughs> but I do like raw deadlift accessories. So I'll do like raw good mornings and stuff like that and all. Um, and if I'm being totally honest, I never really put a whole lot of thought into it. I just always went off based of like, what do I think do I need? So if lockouts are starting to struggle. I do a lot of board work. Yep. If you know, if, if I'm having a hard time locking out a deadlift, I might pull from like some deficits and things like that. So I never wrote out a program, say like 12 to 16 weeks in advance. I would look at where I'm struggling and I would write the next two or three weeks based upon like, how do I address this issue? Um, and I can do that because I have, you know, my five to 10 guys training here who bought into it and they're always sort of coming along for the ride. And then within that, we would adjust that even for them. Like maybe we don't all have the same current weakness. We would tweak some things a little bit for those guys. So because we're such a small gym, we're able to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of funny. That's kind of very similar how, to how I train and how I program for my clients. Um, now I have Kirby as my coach and he, uh, he takes a lot of the fist set ideologies, like yeah. the, the whole mechanically similar movements. And I, I mean, the sec, uh, it's a fancy word for secondaries, but um, yeah. I, it's very similar to, it's kind of that blended with conjugate style of you get the max effort days and then the secondary days are more volume work. And especially since I'm in the off season, I'm assuming obviously the intensity will go up when I start my prep, but I'm kind of, I kind of pick some of that idea and I apply it to my athletes as well. And I feel like the translation to strength from it has just been amazing. Yeah. I've taken a lot of stuff from the whole Swedes, like fit set stuff. Like I definitely stole a lot from that. And then uh, back in the day, Brandon Lilly had that cube method book and I read all through that. And I loved a lot of the volume stuff. So I definitely worked that in as well particularly on my raw days. So like my training days, 
that stuff that I work in like raw. And then for my secondary movements, if you want to call them, whatever you want to call them, uh, I choose those, not just what I do, but also how I'm going to do it based on how I feel literally that day. So sometimes I might be doing more volume, but sometimes if I feel good, I might push a little bit more. It might go a little bit heavier. Um, And I was talking to Dave Tate about this when I was out on on his podcast. And it was like, he's like, I love that auto regulation. It was like, sometimes you're feeling great. You just send it like your body's telling you it's time to grow. But there's other times where it's like, Ooh, maybe I'll just do some volume. I'll do some back down work because like whatever I did in my main movement, like is not vibing with me. Um, And I think that's a good thing for lifters to learn because that type of training makes you pay attention to your body. And uh, that's a skill in and of itself. Yeah. And I think that's something that, I mean, if you talk to anyone that I'm around, they're like, this kid needs to relax. Like, I'm kind of like a, one, I'm a head case. I've gotten a lot better at it, but I'll, I'm just a full send, like gas, full gas all the time. So I told Kirby, I was like, hey, I think my body's ready to deload lower. And I'm like, unless you tell me to do it, I'm not going to do it. And I know that about myself at least. So I'm just letting you know now. And it's, it's something oh, that like yeah. I'm getting better at. And I, it's funny cause I can do it for my athletes, but I can't do it for myself, which is why I think having a coach has been one of the best things for me. Yeah. I was always an all gas, no brakes kind of my kind of myself. I, I tell people all the time, like I either don't believe in the CNS or I don't have <laughs> one or I'll hold it. I don't know what to tell you because I mean, I went years squatting over a thousand pounds, like multiple times a week and uh, it worked out for me. So I guess at anything else, like you do what you can recover from. If you can recover from it, it's fine for you. Yeah. Now I've learned as I'm getting older, unfortunately, like that was always my mindset. And now I can't recover from it the same way. But luckily I have that auto regulation. I'm just adjusting accordingly. So I used to be training heavier more frequently. <laughs> now I train heavier less frequently. Yeah. <clears throat> but I know that one thing like moderations for cowards. I'm not going to dial things in just because like a program says that's the right thing. If I got more, I'm going to give it. Yeah. And to me, I'm kind of like a, uh, I guess malicious compliance type of person. Like if it says this, I'm going to do it exactly that way. So if you don't tell me to like calm down, like I'm not, I'm not gonna, and sometimes I'll consider even going a little bit up. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, so with the, with the guys at your gym, are, are they all multiply guys? Do you have a couple raw guys or? Uh, right now, I think we have mainly multiply guys, but we have a couple newer guys who are uh, transitioning. Like, I don't know where they'll end up going. Like, there, I have a couple guys who haven't even competed yet. Um, so I think a lot of them, their goal is to eventually go to multiply. I don't think I'll send them right in there until they've done at least one raw meet, just gone through the process. And that has more to do, not that I think it's wrong to go right into multiply. I just want them to have a good first meet experience. And I can control that if they're raw. Yeah. Like, they're going to get a total. It's powerlifting, so everyone gets a trophy. Like, so we'll have a better first meet experience that way, and then we'll take uh, take with that. You know, we'll go from wherever we go from there. Um, I got this kid from Colombia who's like 15. His name's Tobias, and he's a freak. So I'm curious to see what this kid turns into. He's driving. His mom drives him two hours every Saturday to let him train with us, and then he stays after so he can do all of his movements. The kid just wants it. Yeah. He's pretty freaking strong too. I think he's 165 and 15 and he just benched like 295 or something. I'm like, that's a Damn. freaking strong 15 year old. That's crazy. His squats catching up, but he never really squatted. He's like, I don't know how to squat. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? But he's 15. So, but, uh, so we'll have some fun with him. Yeah. So I would love some new lifters. That's like, it's hard to find people. Like most of the guys that I came up with got old and quit and I got old and kept doing it. 
So yeah. like the malls we used to have, everyone's walking away and it's hard to replace them. Yeah, especially with the sport now, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, Multiply starting to get a little more traction again, like kind of like the old days, I guess you could say. But um, it's kind of still in that raw era, especially with people like you get like Jesus and like the social media okay. aspect of like the how the USAPL kind of advertises kind of not necessarily shuns Multiply, but it, it kind of overshadows it a lot. Yeah, we, we were vibing for a while with Multiply. Like it was swinging back hard, 18, 19, 20. And then like WPO's falling off a little bit. I mean, I love the guys. I love most of the people that are doing it. It just hasn't had the same sort of thunder. It was cool at the Olympia and all. I saw it. Um, didn't get my invite. But uh, <laughs> unless I got lost in the mail. Um, but it was still a cool meet. It had some good stunning lifters there. I mean, Hop's doing his thing. We had a lot of guys doing well. Uh was his face travis mckinney i don't know if you follow him at all but like he's always been a good lifter but he had a stellar day danny tenahero does so like but honestly it's the same names over and over again there's not as much fresh blood as i'd love to see so yeah hopefully it grows if not i'll still be doing it <laughs> yeah i mean uh like i said in probably a few years I'm, I'm assuming i'll be in a multiply meet before i'm 30 that's that's my guess so. I'm hoping a lot of the guys like in your situation and a lot of these like top level raw lifters make that switch. I hope they, I'm not saying that I hope that they hurt, but I'm hoping that <laughs> their body, they're like, man, I could either stop or change directions. Cause that's exactly what I did. Like when the aches and pains started to come, because I think a lot, there's a lot of talent on the raw side. If they want to invest some time, you could see a real jump in growth into multiplies numbers. And I mean, I'm, I would love to see my numbers get destroyed because I love powerlifting. Yeah. Um, and when you think back, like everyone's numbers eventually get destroyed. Like Chuck Vogelpool is the man. Yeah. But his best total was 2605. That's not common today, but it's not what it was. So I think a lot of these high level raw lifters have the genetic potential and capability if they wanted to to be great multiply lifters, but the key is going to be like, do they have the patience to go back to sucking for a little while? Yeah. Cause that's hard. Yeah. And it's kind of like the, the whole idea of like, it takes time in the gear, yeah. like time in the gear and is the biggest thing. And when you've been really good at something, it is like, I'm living it right now. Putting up totals that are hundreds and hundreds of pounds, less than your best total is a mental challenge to get out there and do. Like, how do you get revved up for a thousand five squat when you've done hundreds of pounds more? Yeah. Well, you step under a 750 bench when you've done 11. It just doesn't have the same feel to it. For sure. And with the, the kind of the more experience in the sport now, too. I mean, obviously, the gear is getting way more advanced and there's plenty of there's plenty of brands out there. Like there's overkill now that's making some really good gear. Titans killing the gear and like the idea of just you can push the limits more and you don't have to worry about your shirt blowing out like in the denim era. <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously. Although Windsor's had some blowouts recently in their shirts. It's been like a weird thing. But yeah, it's definitely not what it was. I guess um, we can kind of wrap things up here. Um, so I, I like to ask the question, if you could give a new powerlifter or someone going into their first meet a uh, piece of advice, what would you say? Well, I already gave some of it. The first piece of advice I would say is don't limit yourself by pigeonholing yourself into like a weight class. Get as big as you can while you can, while you can, because you can. Um, one thing that I learned while I was going through this sort of like injury is I was never like big on the whole, like I ate enough. I had plenty of protein. I monitored that, but I didn't really care what I ate or how. And I did notice like when I paid a little bit more 
attention to my nutrition. That was a good thing. So it's something that I think that's low hanging fruit. People could do a little bit better on, especially as power lifters, like, and I was super guilty of it, but now, and I still, I eat junk, but like, I try and put a lot of good stuff in as well. Yeah. That's helpful. Um, but the biggest thing, like you're doing it, I do it like travel, put some time and effort into going to get around the right people because you'd be amazed how number one, you'd be amazed how much you can learn, but also like how willing people are to help you. It's almost like fun for us guys who have been like, yeah, let me, let me, you want to learn? Let me pass the torch because yeah. it is a small tight knit community. So like, it's one of the few sports where you can reach out to someone who's at the top and they'll probably talk to you. Like, like I guarantee I can speak for myself. I can, you know, John, like if people message John right now, like, Hey, you know, I'm struggling with my squad. Would you take a look at my videos? You know, he'd be like, probably happy to do it. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like send me more when you have more. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing that we have in this community where like, and I get that it can be intimidating to be like starting out or to be a younger lifter. Um, but yeah, go to the meets, hang out with the people, offer to help. You know, that's how this 15 year old found me. I, I was like, no man, you're too young. And then he like, emailed people from a gym that he was training at out in Minnesota when he was out there with his dad with like team nemesis, which is like, uh, I think that's like the Domingos, like Greg and Debbie and all those people out there, like a bunch of good lifters. And turns out he did the same thing with them was basically like an annoying kid who would never go away. And then they basically adopted him. And now he's with me. Yep. <laughs> so like, it's, it's crazy. If you put the time and effort in, uh, how much people will work with you and how much you can learn. That's awesome. Well, I wanted to t thank you. Thanks that we made. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to thank you again for coming on. It was a blast. It was a great talk. And uh, I'll see you next weekend. So, absolutely, man. Good seeing you. I'll see you, uh, like I said, see you next Saturday. Hell yeah.